This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. It is imperative for leaders to have a thorough understanding of the stages of grief and the nature of the grieving process. Valeria Tejas interviews Anthony Casablanca, the author of The Dying Art of Leadership, How Leaders Can Help Grieving Employees Excel at Work. Anthony Casablanca is an accomplished senior executive, having spent 31 years in various leadership roles. Anthony earned his undergraduate degree from Wright State University in Dayton, Ohio, and a master's degree from Kettering University, formerly GMI. Anthony spent most of his years in leadership working for Batesville Casket Company, a recognized leader in the funeral service industry, where he was the vice president of human resources and then the vice president of manufacturing and logistics. Anthony was the 2009 Human Resource Executive of the Year in the state of Indiana. He went on to become president of another subsidiary of the Hillenbrand family of companies. Anthony has spent his entire career studying the art of leadership with an emphasis on purpose-driven leadership principles. Anthony has spoken on several occasions at various funeral industry conventions, was a featured speaker at an international sales, service, and operations meeting for Batesville Casket Company, and has conducted several leadership training classes for funeral providers. After retiring from Hill & Brand Inc., Anthony started Casablanca Consulting LLC to help other organizations and leaders discover their true purpose. Meet Anthony at griefleaders.com. Here is the interview with Anthony Casablanca. In your own words, who is Anthony Casablanca? So uh, Anthony Casablanca is a is an interesting individual uh, who spent 31 years in leadership capacities um, for a company by the name of Hillenbrand, and um, uh, throughout that time got very interested in purpose driven leadership, uh, largely through my studies of of lean. Um, and, uh, of course, through that was uh, one of the principles of lean leadership is respect for people. Um, and so throughout my career, I've done everything from being a vice president of human resources to uh, running a, a division a subsidiary company for Hill and Brand. So I was president of an organization um, and had lots of leadership experiences uh, over the years where my employees were struggling. Um, and so when I retired back in 2015, I began to um, do some consulting and then obviously recently wrote uh, this book in, in um, conjunction with my brother, uh, my brother Guy. 
What is your definition of true leadership, Anthony? Yeah, so <clears throat> true leadership, you know, managers, uh, managers manage things, right? They manage results, they manage metrics, they manage um, uh, processes. Leaders realize that um, that those those are things those things get managed, but you have to lead people. Um, and so, true leadership to me is when a leader captures the hearts and minds of their people, um, and they are willing to lead with the courage to to be compassionate towards their people, uh, and to make sure that they always put their people first. Um, I believe if uh, if you'll put your people first, you'll always achieve your mission. Um, but if you don't, those are the uh, those are the functions or the teams that tend to struggle. What insights have you gained from the events in 2020? Um, that we that we so so probably the biggest one is that we've we've now found a whole new category of of things that cause stress in our lives. Um, I can remember thinking back to um, my leadership experiences with folks saying they wanted to work from home. Well, everybody got their wish. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and now everybody's saying, I need a break. <laughs> yeah. I need a break. I want to get back to the office. I want to travel. I want to visit customers. And, That's true. And, um, and you know, it's, it's interesting because while the title of our book is The Dying Art of Leadership and we talk about grief, we talk about grief in a much larger context. And, and that definition um, that we use in the book is any emotionally traumatic event that is large enough to cause a shift in a person's reality will cause a person to grieve. So there have been lots of events in 2020 that would have never been on the radar screen before that are causing people to grieve. Things as simple as my wife can't go back to work because my son's school's closed and somebody's got to be here to watch our children. Um, or my wife got laid off and or my spouse got laid off and is not getting called back and we are struggling financially now. Um, the list just goes on and on. I'm now I'm worried about my parents contracting COVID. It, the list just goes on and on of events that cause uh, people to enter the stages of grief. That's been the biggest insight for us in 2020. It's grief somehow connected to trauma from your perspective? So, yes. Uh, yes, it is. If you think about um, any event, so a divorce, um, a, uh, a significant illness diagnosis, right? Those are all traumatic events in somebody's life. Uh, a family that is struggling with a a family member or a child uh, who's addicted to opioids. Um, the list is 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 endless, right? Now you're reading a lot about work from home burnout. That burnout is actually people going through the grief stage, right? They are they are angry. They are bargaining that this will all be over. Um, they are struggling and trying to accept the fact that, you know, we can't get vaccinated quick enough. And there's now there's a new variant of the disease and and they're struggling with with 
They're in denial about all the things that are going on around them. I mean, it's it's um, call it what you will. You can call it burnout. You can call it stress. You can call it whatever you'd like. Um, at some point, people go through the stages of grief as they are dealing with these issues. And I'll be asking you more questions about the stages of grief in the moment and more about grief too and what you do. Uh, for now, I have um, a few other uh, warm-up questions. The next one is about the purpose of life, Anthony. What do you think the purpose of the human experience is? The way I view it uh, is that, um, and, and you are the first one who has asked me this question, and it's an awesome question. So I, I think our purpose is to help each other get through this life and to make each other's lives better because we've interacted. So um, I've seen that play out countless times. And for sure, as part of uh, my leadership experience, without a doubt, um, uh you know the leaders who are successful are the ones who, who try to to try to help their people and help their teams, um, and so simply put, I think it's it's we're here to help each other. That's our purpose. Freedom. What is the meaning of freedom to you, Anthony? What is to be free? Hmm. You know, um, freedom. Freedom is remarkable, right? It's 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 all the choices and all the liberties that we take for granted in this country. Um, but having traveled to, as part of my leadership role, I had an opportunity to travel to several foreign countries um, and noticed that some countries people just don't look happy. Um, and those tended to be the countries that uh, didn't enjoy a lot of the freedoms that we, that we enjoy here in the United States. And so I, I get saddened Uh, by, you know, the cancel culture that we are experiencing right now, because, you know, freedom of speech is a very important thing, and you should have the right to disagree with me, and I should not, um, I should not be able to impose my will by censoring you. That's, that's not freedom of speech, right? Um, frankly, neither is violence. And so I look at some of the things that have gone on over the past year. And, and while I, I recognize the need for uh, a lot of the, the protests and those kinds of things, um, I, think, I think folks have overstepped their bounds when they start destroying businesses and destroying property and, and the types of things that we've seen play out. But freedom is, uh, freedom is not free. Freedom is a very precious thing. And I'm so thankful for Uh, all of those who serve in this in this country, both in the military and first responders and firefighters, and the list goes on, because um, without them, we would live in a very different place that most don't even can't even comprehend what living in a country where you don't have what that's really even like. So you wrote the book, The Dying Art of Leadership, How Leaders Can Help Grieving Employees Excel at Work. How did you become a writer and what was the inspiration and also purpose of writing this book? Sure. So the, um, um, the purpose of writing the book, the inspiration for writing the book, my brother and I uh, have been looking for projects to work on together since 
Our our mom passed away back in 2010. Um, and he's he's a duly licensed funeral director. He deals with grief on a daily basis. Yeah. Um, he's schooled, obviously, as being a funeral director. He's he's schooled in grief counseling. And of course, I have the leadership background. Um, and uh, we began to read some articles that had appeared in business magazines about grief in the workplace. Yeah. And we recognized that while those articles were good, they didn't really offer a whole lot of guidance to leaders. Uh, and so, you know, I, as my brother and I talked, we, we said, you know, we could we could probably we could author a leadership book here. We based on the experiences we have, um, we could do more than just give folks throwaway phrases and the, you know, don't say this, do say that kind <laughs> of advice that yeah. folks were getting. Yeah. And actually give leaders a model that they could follow. And so that's how the book was born. Uh, neither Guy or I uh, have written anything before. Um, and so we, we embarked on it knowing uh, all along that this would be more than just a book, but there would also be a leadership training company that went along with it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it took us about a year to get the book written. Yeah. Uh, Guy wrote his half uh, in while he was in Idaho, and I wrote my half from Indiana. Yeah. And uh, we, we pulled it all together, and it was amazing how little editing we really had to do. Yeah. Um, and so we, we launched the book. Uh, I guess it officially launched in October on Amazon. And, um, and so here we are. But it was all driven by the realization that there was nothing out there. First of all, this is a big issue. Yeah. Um, costs companies a lot of money a year, $75 billion a year in lost productivity. Right. So it's a big issue. And there is no training and no books that have been written about this topic for leaders. There's lots of stuff about grief counseling for the individual, but there's nothing for leaders. And so we decided that you know, one way that we could maybe help folks get along a little better in life is if we tackled this this particular topic from a different angle, yeah. and that being from leader, the leadership perspective. What are some of the greatest misconceptions about grief in general, but you can also bring it back to in a workplace? Sure. So the biggest misconception about grief is that it only has to do with losing a loved one or a death. And frankly... That's the smallest piece. Um, uh, so to us, that's the biggest misconception of, of grief. Uh, some of the studies that are out or have been done, uh, the one that I quote most frequently is the, uh, because it's the, been the largest study, is the Grief Recovery Institute did a study. And that's where the $75 billion in annual lost productivity comes from. Uh, and also as part of that study, they said that potentially as many as one in four people are grieving at any given time. So that's huge, right? That's more than a loss of an aunt or an uncle or a mother or a father or a brother. That, that is recognizing that loss happens anytime there is a significant enough of a traumatic event in somebody's life to alter their reality. So that is far and away the biggest misconception of grief. The second 
biggest misconception is that people don't want to talk about it. And that is not true, right? And and even more so, people don't want to talk about it at work. And that is not true. Um, every single person we talked to when we interviewed our book, uh, when, uh, that we interviewed for our book, either said, I was so glad I was able to talk about my situation at work because it really helped relieve the stress. Uh, and I was able to be myself at work. Or they said, I wish I had been able to talk about this at work because it just made it so much more stressful trying to check my grief at the door Mm. and not allow it to encroach on work. Your brother wrote Guy Casablanca. I'm paraphrasing him. He said, it is imperative for leaders to understand the stages of grief and the nature of the grieving process. So talk to me for a moment, Anthony, about the stages of grief and the nature of the process. Right. So um, there's lots of debate about the stages of grief and whether or not they are applicable. Um, From a grief counseling standpoint, lots of folks have created other models, but Guy and I intentionally chose the five stages of grief. And and in fact, we, we, we added a sixth one. Um, we intentionally chose the five stages of grief because they play out in the workplace, right? We had to give leaders tangible things that they could wrap their arms around. Um, so, you know, the first stage of grief is denial. Um, and that's, that's where, you know, folks get in, they, they, they are confused. They're overwhelmed. They're numb. They're trying to blame what's going on in their lives on anything they can think of, right? And then, of course, you move on to anger um, and then bargaining. Um, and, And bargaining is a very interesting stage because a lot of insight can come from that. Bargaining often takes the, the, um, bargaining also often comes from a perspective of well, if I had only done this differently, right? I wish I would have done this, or if I would have done that, or maybe we should have done this. And so there's a lot of personal introspection that comes from that that can lead to growth um, uh, if it's dealt with properly, right? If if uh, if the leader says, yeah, you probably should have taken your do- your father to the doctor sooner, that that is very stifling. Um, but if the leader recognizes that folks are trying to grow through this and are just in a process of analyzing things, um, they can be very helpful in the process. And of course, then everybody goes, you know, you go through depression and then ultimately acceptance. And the sixth step that my brother added in the book is one of sharing, which is, which is where you begin to take what you've learned through your own process and share it with others so that they maybe can learn from it. And what is so powerful about these five stages of grief, I I wrote an article um, uh, called The um, Good Change Management Requires Good Grief Leadership. Um, Because if you think about grief can be caused, people can enter these steps, these stages, just because of a company initiative, right? So another thing that's going on right now is Companies want to get back to their pre-COVID profit levels. And so they've got all kinds of initiatives going on to cut cost and improve productivity 
and all of those things. And it's inducing mass change into their people's lives um, from just the way work gets done to people are being asked to leave the organization. And those people are grieving. And so, you know, denial and anger are not the same thing as resistant to change. But leaders often tag someone as being resistant to change when really they're just going through the grieving process. And so that's how this sort of all ties together. Um, and of course, the stages of grief are not linear, although they get presented that way. No two people grieve the same way and no two people will grieve for the same amount of time. Um, and all of those things are things that the leaders need to keep in mind as they, as they deal with the issues that their people are dealing with. Um, and frankly, if they choose not to engage in this process with their people, then they will see the productivity loss and they will ultimately wind up managing folks through a performance improvement plan, which just further complicates the grief process. You offer the uh, solution for this situation through also not just your book, but you have the griefleaders.com, which is also a method, right, Anthony, or a consulting um, company. Yeah, talk to me about how it works uh, for leaders, how do they, or companies, how do they engage with your uh, services? Sure. Um, so, I mean, there's a couple of ways, right? But it, it typically starts either with a referral or through a podcast like this. Uh, folks go to our website and they there's a contact us section where they can, uh, where they can reach out to us for a complimentary consultation. But we, we basically have a four-step process. Um, the, the first step is, frankly, to conduct an assessment, right? So we, won't, we will not recommend any of our services until we better understand the company's culture and how it works and, and their values and, and you know, things of that nature, initiatives that they have in place. Then we will do a leadership assessment. Um, Uh, to understand um, what the leadership culture of the organization might be. Uh, and then from that, those two data points come insights that we then tailor our training around. Although we have principles in our training that we teach, um, it, it's not a one-size-fits-all, right? We, we like to highly customize what we do to help it um, – As much as possible, we want to build on what an organization is already doing rather than telling them they have to throw it out and do it our way. And then through those three data points then comes uh, an, another set of insights where we can recommend next steps to the organization, be it coaching or counseling or uh, other resources or, you know, um, other things that Uh, other skill capabilities that the organization may need to build, uh, whether we can provide those or not, right? We're, we're not looking for lifetime engagements with organizations. We're looking to come in and help them as best we can. And if there are things that we believe and the organization believes they need that are not within our scope, uh, we are more than happy to recommend others uh, or step aside um, uh, Because what's really important here is that the organization improves uh, their work approach and their bottom line and their 
engagement and loyalty and morale and productivity with their people. Uh, not that we, you know, rack up a six figure income uh, based on a consulting assignment. So I do have um, some ending questions for you. You're almost at the end of the interview. But before that, Anthony, talk to me for a moment about the uh, adaptive leader. What would that be or look like? Sure, sure. So it's uh, it's actually the model we teach. It's a model that I've used uh, throughout my career. Yeah. Um, so adaptive leadership at its most basic premise um, is getting leaders to recognize that not all of their people are in the same place at the same time, right? That people have different skills and capabilities and experiences. Um, and therefore, um, people need um, leadership that matches where they are in their development process. And so often leaders, and, and I was guilty of this very early in my career, leaders latch on to a leadership style that fits them or that they believe fits them. And then they, they apply that style to everyone that they lead. Uh, it's called managing uniformly. And the problem with that is, um, if you have folks who are new to an assignment, uh, don't have very much experience with it, uh, maybe are new to the organization, and you try to use a very empowering, um, participative style with them, they're going to struggle because they're not ready for that, right? But a lot of leaders sort of apply that one approach and their, their philosophy is, although very unintentionally, their philosophy is, well, where I'm going to make you change to what I want you to be, as opposed to me changing my style to match where you are in your development cycle. So that's what adaptive leadership really is. And it should be used, whether we're talking about helping grieving employees or not, folks who learn how to adapt their leadership to the situation that they are in that their people are in, that their organization is in, that a particular initiative is in, um, are, are highly successful leaders. Um, and so we teach a model of, of how leaders can recognize the types of various leadership styles that people might need at different points in their career, in their lives, in their personal lives. Um, and as it relates to our topic of helping grieving employees, adaptive leadership also means leading with compassion and engaging people where they are in their grief and not ignoring it and not making them feel like they can't be themselves at work, like they have to check their problems at the door uh, because that, that, that is not good for the organization or for the employee. Um, and if leaders will follow the model, they will not experience the productivity loss that uh, many other companies will face through an employee who's challenged with a traumatic situation that's impacting them deeply. I do have those ending questions, but before I ask them, would you like to add anything or read a passage in your book? Um, just that it's um, it's unfortunate, right? So leaders uh, leaders who are do not lead with compassion, leaders who don't put people first, 
Um, they may have direct reports, but they'll never have followers. And um, that would be a thought that I would want to leave this section of the interview with folks to just think about a little bit. Um, do you have do you have direct reports or do you have followers? Do you have people who will do anything for you and the organization because of the way that you've treated them? Or do you have people who, you know, you're getting the minimum, the minimum effort that they can provide um, without, you know, getting fired? Because um, at the end of the day, that's really what this book is about. It's about leadership. Um, and it's about applying that leadership to a very specific element of uh, people's lives. But that element is so broad. I mean, look at any episode of Undercover Boss and you will see this play out. People are dealing with it a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff in their lives. And leaders would be surprised um, how much their people would appreciate being able to talk about this at work and about uh, having leaders who are willing to um, accommodate and give and, and adapt to give people the space they need at the times they need it when they're struggling the most. It really sounds to me like leading from the heart, leading from a place of love and not fear. It is. You are exactly right. Thank you so much, Anthony, for this message yeah, to companies, because I usually talk to people who uh, are entrepreneurs. They work for themselves at a, a different level. But this, yeah, you, you're bringing this to the uh, corporate level in companies so they can understand more what love is like or looks like. Exactly. Uh, this is beautiful. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful to you? Um, so specifically around this, around the book and around our Grief Leaders Organization, you know, my brother and I have come to the realization from a very early standpoint. I mean, this started out as a project, right? And but it quickly moved to a mission and then a passion. Um, and we've we have come to the realization that that the real measure of success for what we're doing um, can only be counted by the number of people that we help, um, either leaders. Um, to help them adapt and grow as leaders or grieving individuals, folks who are struggling um, and the last thing they need is pressure from work, but they don't know how to bridge that gap. Uh, they don't know how to talk to their, their leader about what's going on. Um, that's, that's how we would define success would be by the, the magnitude of people that we can help with, uh, with the work that we're doing. Um, we recognize that this is not for every leader and it's not for every company. Um, the, the cold hard fact is a lot of companies just aren't ready for this, right? Um, but companies that recognize um, that resilience is an issue um, and recognize that they need a component of their resilience initiatives that tackle personal resilience, that's what we're really doing here, right? We're really teaching leaders how to help 
employees become more personally resilient mm, yeah. um, by opening up the conversation and the space to allow the things that are troubling them outside of work to be dealt with. What was the hardest lesson to learn about life as of today? The hardest lesson to learn about life as of today. Yeah. That um, that it's life is really hard if you go through it by yourself. And so that's uh, that's been the life lesson for me. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything in a different way? Um, so, yes, I mean, I certainly would. Um, there's uh, there's so much more that contribution that I'm sure I could I could make personally. Yeah. Um, and frankly, uh, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a big believer in continuous improvement yeah. and, uh, constantly striving to make yourself better. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I have a relationship with God, but it could certainly be stronger. Yeah. Um, so that would be something that I continually work on and have gotten better at, um, that and, working hard to to be a better friend. Um, the book has helped a lot with that. Writing the book has helped a great deal with that from a personal standpoint. Yeah. Um, to recognize that I do need to reach out to people and, and not just assume that because I haven't heard from them, everything's fine. Right. Um, so yeah, yeah, those would be, those would be two things that I'm currently working on that I would, I would continue to work on even stronger. And speaking of God, who is God to you? You know, um, it's really interesting. I had a family, we had a family priest who at one point, uh, when my wife and I were dating and talking to him about getting married, um, he made the comment that God is bigger than any church. And that has always stuck with me. Um So I, you know, I believe that, um, I mean, I do believe that there is a supreme power, but I also believe that that lives inside each and every one of us. And it's up to us to, to manifest that into real life, um, through our compassion, uh, and our, and our caring for others and our desire to help others when they need help. And, and we can, you know, we can lend a hand, um, that's, that's what I think God is to me. I don't think it necessarily means, or re I don't, I don't, I don't think God solely resides in churches and in holy places. Um, I, I read a book, uh, by, um, uh, oh gosh, the author's name escapes me. Matthew Kelly read, I read a book by Matthew Kelly and he talks about creating holy moments that it's up to each of us to create holy moments every day in our lives. And if we do that, we can change the world. And holy moments are as, could be as simple as saying hello to someone. It could be buying someone a meal. It could be helping someone with groceries. It's the smallest of things. They're all acts of kindness, right? And if we'll just all create holy moments every day, the world would be a much better place. And I think I believe that. I love that idea and that yes. practice. 
Yeah, think about that, right? Yeah. Think about if we each just touched one person every day true. and made their life a little better. That's true. It is the work of God, yeah, I would say. Yeah, for sure. And speaking about the sure things that we know, um, what are three things about life you know for sure? This is my last question. Huh. Well, I could give you the comical answer, right? <laughs> we're all going to pay taxes and we're all going to die. That's all right. two things for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, <laughs> life is short yeah. and it gets shorter every single day. That has been, our son was diagnosed with cancer three years ago mm. and he went through, uh, an encouragement two years cancer free or will be next month. And, and, you know, but we're still on that journey, right? I mean, they will not declare him cured until he's five years cancer free. And I will tell you, I learned I've always known life was short, but boy, it really, it really was brought to light when I had to watch it, watch what my son was going through, through his eyes. It was a beautiful experience. I got to spend a lot of time with him. He's 31 years old, uh, or he was 31 at the time. Um, Got to spend a lot of time with him, got to watch him endure through the treatments, got to watch him drag himself to work every single day. Uh, he didn't miss a single day uh, of work while he went through his treatments. Uh, also got to watch him get fired by a boss who was totally un un uncompassionate um, and basically, you know, said didn't never even recognize that Chris was going through the treatments and had cancer and was still coming to work every day. Um, just decided that they wanted to go in a different direction and, and uh, let him go on his, on the, on the day of his last treatment um, is when they delivered the news to him and then thought they were doing him a big favor by telling him normally we would just tell you to pack up your office and leave. But, we decided to give you four weeks notice because uh, we know you've you're dealing with cancer. So just just eye opening. So, you know what? Life is short. Life is really, really short. And we need to cherish every moment. Um, and I'm fortunate to be married to a woman who lets me watch the world through her eyes uh, because she cherishes. She helps me to remember that we are to cherish the small And that's, you know, that's really, that would be really it for me. Life is really short and, and it's a shame that, uh, that we get so caught up in, in having to pay the bills and make a living and the kids soccer and all of the other things in our life that we don't get a chance to just slow down and uh, really take it all in because it is beautiful. Thank you so much, Anthony, for your wisdom, your compassionate work and words, compassionate presence. Thank you for everything. Really oh, beautiful. well, it's, it yeah. was absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much for, uh, for having me on and letting us tell the story. And, and thank you for sharing this with your audience. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Sure. Griefleaders.com. That is the, uh, that's our website uh, and it's chocked full of information and stories and all kinds of things. And we would love if folks visit there, um, there is a spot for them to leave their story and we'd love to hear that. That's what helps keep our training relevant and the things we do um, meaningful. 
Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, they can follow follow me on LinkedIn or my brother Guy on LinkedIn. Uh, and you can get the book through Amazon uh, or through Book Baby. There's a link on our website that will take you to either one of those two sites to order the book. And hopefully folks will pick up the book and get in contact with us and and uh, help us help those who uh, who might be struggling at work and you don't even know it. I'll have the link on your podcast profile, too. Thank you Super. so much again, Anthony. And we'll talk well, soon. Well, thank you. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Anthony Casablanca and his work, please visit griefleaders.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.